Welcome to today's episode of Fire in the Belly. This is where we get to hear some pretty inspiring stories from some amazing people. You know, it's always an absolute pleasure to sit down, take time out and have a warts and all conversation about their journey. I'm always intrigued by what it's taken for people to get to where they are today. And hopefully in this interview, we get to hear some more about that. From this, my mission is to help people to find their own fire in their belly. And from that, to live the mightiest version of you. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy today's guest. Success is a process, not an event. Good morning and welcome to Fire in the Belly. Today we have myself, Pete Lawton, and Adam Strong here. We're in sunny Stockholm. Good morning. Good morning. Great to be here. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Listen, thank you for coming on. So let me ask you, um, well, t- tell us about you first, Adam. Sure. Uh, first of all, thanks very much for inviting me on the podcast. By the way, I love the title, Fire in the Belly. I think it's a fantastic title. Cool. So thank you. congratulations to you, by the way. It's really cool. Um, so... Um, so a little bit about me, I guess. Uh, well, I used to be, uh, before I, I got to where I am, am now, um, I used to be a former elite athlete, actually, um, cool. back in the day. I used to study and train with Olympic athletes. And my, my big discipline was all in um, distance running. So things like uh, anything from sort of 10 kilometers, 10 milers, half marathons, around those types of distances um, were kind of like my favorite. And uh, my training partner was Sir Mo Farah as uh, most of you guys uh, would have known if you're yeah. if you're a big sports fan like me and um and essentially uh i learned a lot of skills um from a very young age actually mm. um and and these skills such as things like you know creating that success mindset um self-discipline you know which we all need more self-discipline productivity um setting goals all of that kind of stuff and what i found is that there are now there's a lot of skills that you can take from being an athlete, successful mm-hmm. athlete, um, and bring it into the entrepreneurial world. Sure. And and that's why that's what I love teaching now is I love working with not just corporations but also with small business owners mm. and say, Do you know what? These are the things that you need to focus on right now in order to take your business from here to here to the next level. Sure. Um, because there are a lot of skills. I don't know if you agree with me on that, but there, there's a lot of things that you can take take over from sport and uh, into uh, into into running a business. So, um, so what do I do now? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, well, I like. I suppose I, I <laughs> there are two things that I do right now. One of them is I'm a business results strategist. So essentially, what I do is essentially. Um, I don't like to call myself a coach because everyone calls himself a coach these days, but I'm more of a strategist okay. or a problem solver. So I like to understand you know, more about people's businesses mm-hmm. and more about the bottlenecks and the problems and the challenges and then essentially creating a strategy. Now, the thing is, with a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners, right? Um, and this is just, you know, in general, hmm. The average business owner, it's quite, it's lonely running a business. I can tell you that for sure, mm. right? And um, uh, one, one thing that uh, that I've come to see is, is is regular patterns with entrepreneurs and business owners. Okay. So, one thing that I guess for me, what I do is I essentially most people have got great intentions right having the best year of 2020 or whatever it is right yeah yeah yeah. okay uh but the big problem is is that most people don't have a plan okay 
And that's, that's where I come in. So I essentially create that plan. I create that blueprint for people and um, essentially work with um, clients. And uh, we have uh, accountability because accountability is extremely important. Mm -hmm. uh, and then essentially we, we move forwards uh, okay. from there essentially. Uh, so that's one of my, <clears throat> one of my passions mm -hmm. like is helping people. Um, and secondly, uh, which we were just talking about, mm. actually, which is all around property. So yeah. property investing in the Mediterranean, uh, which uh, um, is, is something new for me, uh, mm. but really enjoying that as well. And uh, a great lifestyle and a great way of getting away from the horrible winters of, of Northern Europe, I suppose. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So, uh, yeah. So for the summer is fire in the belly, what, what does fire in the belly say to you? <clears throat> what is it? Fire in your belly is uh, essentially finding your passion for me. Mm -hmm. Sure. You know, I I meet so many people and you know have conversations daily with lots of people and and I find that the vast majority of people are doing something that they really do not enjoy doing. They're yeah. doing it because they want to pay the bills. They're doing it because for the wrong reasons, essentially. Yeah. Okay. And from my perspective, I I find that completely goes against my grain if you like mm -hmm. I do something I do what I do because I really enjoy what I do I wouldn't change it for the world yeah um, but you know you get people who are in sort of corporations or in jobs are like oh yeah but I've got this big car and you know I've got this big house and you know I need, need to keep up with the Joneses and yeah. things like that you know and one of the things that I really detest is comparing I, I never compare myself to anybody else okay. because we're all from different backgrounds. We all have different goals and we're all different human beings. But I guess if you, um, if you put yourself into that box, okay, if you put yourself into that box and um, then, then essentially it's like you're trying to label yourself, you know, you're trying mm. to compare yourself, trying to compete with each other. It just doesn't make any sense to me. So... It's almost slightly ironic coming from someone from the elite athlete world mm. well it's a very good point actually you make and um the thing for me is that i'm extremely competitive by the way <laughs> okay extremely competitive <laughs> i don't like losing okay but i don't think anyone likes losing really but i am extremely competitive um but it because i've been running a business for a very long time i mean mm. i got into entrepreneurship at the age of 11 mm. right young age well okay um so I, one of my, uh, I'll quickly tell you a quick story if that's all right. Yeah, of course. Um, so I got into entrepreneurship actually at the age mm. of 11. Uh, we grew up uh, on a council flat, top four flat, third floor. Whereabouts? Uh, it's in West London. Okay. In West London. And uh, it was my mum, single mum, and my younger brother. And uh, we didn't have a lot of money, if I'm honest. We just didn't have yeah. a lot of money. Mm -hmm. We lived off the state. Uh, and at Christmas time, we, um, we, would, uh, we, we would share our Christmas presents between me and my brother because it just wasn't enough money to go around. Okay. Um, I remember the, one of the first, uh, <laughs> one of the first, I was a big video games fanatic. Okay. I got my brother into that as well. And uh, one of our first game systems that we, we got was the Sega Master System. Oh, wow, okay. It was amazing. It was like yeah. a proper retro machine. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if you guys remember that, but yeah. it was just amazing. Um, so that was kind of, uh, we didn't get pocket money or anything mm -hmm. like that so you know it was tough um but so one of the ideas i came up with we actually live not too far from a nature reserve which okay. is probably about 
I guess a 10 minute walk from where we live. And next to the nature reserve was this golf course, okay? It was like a, I don't know, I think it was like a, an 18 hole golf course. It was a big old golf course, mm. right? It wasn't like a major thing. It was kind of just a local golf club and it was surrounded by streams, lots of different bushes and stuff like that, right? Now, you know what I did, right? Mm. I came up with the idea and I thought, you know, I've got to race, I've got, I've got to be able to make a, produce some income. I've got to be able to help my mom and, and things like that. So I was like, okay, right. I take a walk over to the nature reserve. So I took a na- walk over to the nature reserve. And I, I take a bucket with me, okay? Now, I, I, could, we didn't have Welling, I didn't have Wellington boots at the time, so it was just my trainers and my socks and maybe a spare towel with me, okay? Went over and um, started collecting golf balls. Mm. So all the people that had been playing golf, they'd lost all their balls. Sure. And so I'd w- go around, with the, in, around the golf club, okay? Or, or around the greens, if you like. I wouldn't go near the golf club yeah. exactly, but more around the greens. And I'd be collecting these golf balls. I'd be, you know, I'd be going into the streams you know, bare feet, okay, <laughs> and and collecting the golf balls from the streams and in the bushes and, and wow. so forth. And, um, you know, I pick up some really, really expensive golf, golf balls. Wow. Nike, Dunlop, Slazenger, you know, really expensive golf balls. And then the dog golfers would come up to me and be like, let me look at what's in your bucket. Just, yeah. Come look over my bucket. And I'm like, I'd like to buy your golf ball off you. Like, okay, how much are you going to give it for me? I'll give you four pounds for it. I, I, but I know that golf ball's worth 10 quid. Yeah. Okay, yeah. how about we, we do five pounds for you? Okay, five pounds, fine. So yeah, we exchange money, I'll give him the golf ball, right? Brilliant. And this is how I got into entrepreneurship. Yeah. Yeah, this is how, and so over a period of time, I got my brother involved in it as well. We could start collecting double the balls. So what we would do is the money that we'd raise at the end of the weekend, Okay, which would be a small part of week, a uh, small part of money. I'd carry bags of coins in my pocket at the time. All right, um, I would uh, take out um, a small percentage and give it to my mum. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then the rest I would put into a savings account, 20 percent into a savings account, wow. and the rest I'd be able to spend it what I want on what I wanted. So that was kind of how I got into entrepreneurship at the time. So that was kind of one of my innovative ways yeah. to, uh, to, to to get into that. And I really kind of only discovered this a couple of years ago and I got had this epiphany and thought, do you know what, actually going back as far as uh, 11 years old, that's hmm. when I got into it. So I just wanted to share that with you anyway. Yeah, no, definitely. So to talk to me about the young years. So, you know, born in West London, yep. you and your brother, um, and I mean, how was your upbringing? You know, was it something? Yeah, it's a tough conversation, if I'm honest with you, because you sure. know I suffered from alopecia when I was younger. Okay. Uh, was uh, how'd that come about? Is it just stress? Okay. Believe it or not, stress. Uh, didn't particularly have a great childhood, unfortunately. I was in foster care for a, a few years. Um, uh, what else can I say? Yeah, yeah. It, it was everything that I've done, if I'm honest with you. Um, college university and stuff like that i worked hard and pay for it all myself okay you know because there was no wealth to go around right i wanted to i wanted to do those things Mm -hmm. you know you know someone's got to pay for those things so um when i was uh for example when i was 18 uh i was doing a full-time job okay i was actually a manager at mcdonald's believe it or not at the age of 18 well uh full-time education Mm -hmm. plus i was running my own business which was sports massage Oh, okay. I, had a, I had a my big goal really was uh, I really wanted to get into uh, uh, working on cruise ships personal training and sports massage but I'd, I'd done sports massage and I set up a clinic in Kingston Kingston Surrey 
and uh, it was part of the David Lloyd chain at the, t at the time. So okay. I'd work there Thursday night after work, and I worked there uh, on, um, on uh, when is it, on, on Saturdays as well, Saturday mornings. And I'd develop a nice client base, and this yeah. was at the age of 18, well. right? You didn't particularly have, um, didn't particularly have a, a huge amount of um, uh, free time to myself, put it that way. Mm. But, uh, you know, it is what it was. Sure. So I learned loads. <laughs> sure. Did you did you stay at home or did you, did you move out or? No, I moved out when I was at the age of eighteen. Yeah. So I was pretty young when I moved out. In fairness, mm. um, moved out with my girlfriend at the time, and you know, so grew up really really quickly and learned a lot of skills. Sure, sure. At a young age. How was school for you? Was it? School was uh, school was okay. I mean, I was bullied a lot. Obviously, you know, when you when you find someone that um, when you see someone that is should we say someone that stands out from the crowd because I'm not exactly inconspicuous mm -hmm. right so you've got and, and the thing is is that it, when people come up to a new young kid right you're like I don't know I lost my hair when I was 10 years old by the way well okay um, and uh, it's a lot of fear so when 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 they see something they automatically assume that you've got leukemia or cancer uh, or, or what they'll do is they'll start bullying you because you're the black sheep of the white pack type thing. Do you know mm, what I mean? Mm. So, um, so bullying was, uh, you know, real tough. And that was the reason actually why I got into running from a young age, because I had low confidence at the time. Yeah. I was extremely low in confidence. Um, and um, and because, purely because I was picked on so much. Yeah. And so I got into running through my dad who had recommended it. It's like, hey, why don't you get into running type of thing? I was like, okay, well, you know. I, and I'll be honest with you, I was an asthma sufferer at the time. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I could barely run 100 meters without having an asthma attack. <laughs> um, so actually what, one of the things that uh, happened is when I, w when I actually started up running, I mean, I was terrible. Right. And that was terrible. <laughs> Like I could barely run around the track without huffing and puffing. You know how it is when you start off with something. So what age were you? This was about 10 or 11. Okay. Yeah, 10 or 11. Uh, so you, I, you've, you've lost your hair, yeah. you're going through puberty, the whole- Puberty, all massive changes, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Goes down the athletics track. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> little boy and that kind of stuff. My, my mum didn't even come with me at the time, but I just went down there and just did it. Uh, introduced and the lady, lo the lovely lady there at the athletics track said, "Oh, I'll introduce you to one of the coaches and stuff like that." And yeah. you know, it was really, um, you know, I was I was really um, overwhelmed because I saw these fast athletes on the running track and I thought, oh, "Shit, I'm never going to be as, I'm never going to be as good as these guys, right? Never going to be as good. I can barely run, let alone, uh, let alone be a top athlete and stuff like that." Um, be it, you know, lots of things go through your mind, mm -hmm. you know. And uh, I guess, I guess for me, the reason why I got into running was I, I wanted to not just increase my confidence, but also I wanted to. Um, um, I wanted to. There's a lot of things that go through your mind, you know. For example, uh, you know, are you making, you know, what what are people thinking? And I think that again we go back to what society is today is that we end up comparing each other and kind of assuming what other people are thinking yeah and when you're a kid when you're a young kid you don't really understand the fundamentals about it and how it impacts you 
so I always thought that people didn't like me or mm. people, I would see be seen as, a, as, as that black sheep out the white pack type of thing um, someone that was odd and, and, and it went and it had a real impact on my uh, on the way I was as a person sure but um, over a period of time when I started getting into the running um, what I found is um, is that I started getting better you know through training and repetition mm. and I always say that repetition is the best form of practice and the best mm. form of skill um, same with entrepreneurship and running yeah. a business you know we get taught many different things and if you've gone into the personal development world and attended you know uh, events listen to podcast videos like you listen to one now you're going to be told the same thing over and over again sure it's not rocket science mm. but the thing is is that most people don't put those things into practice mm. You know, so we're kind of hypocrites in our own way. Hmm. You know, I'm like, yeah, I know that. Yeah, but do you do it? No. Why don't you do it? Hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? If it's good enough for, uh, if it's good enough for, for me, why is it not good enough for you? Type of thing. Sure. Um, so yeah, so I got in, so start developing that athletics career, and and started getting really good. Started getting really self committed, uh, and it was tough because I was in high school as well. Um, you know, chopping and. Um, I was in between two particular high um, high schools. When I was around 15, actually, I had to change. Um, I had to go live with my father, who lived in Surrey at the time. Um, and there was changes between, uh, again, a bad childhood and stuff. But mm. cut a long story short, um, at the time, I was working a job, which was um, working on the trolleys at Sainsbury's, okay. uh, doing that, as well as commuting every day. So I would take a train journey to school every day for an hour there, an hour back. Plus, I would do my athletics training two times a week, plus competitions on Saturdays and Sundays. Uh, as you can imagine, I didn't have a lot of free time. Mm. You know, so was that on purpose? Just the way it was. Mm. Just got on with it. Mm. It didn't occur to me that, you know, that. But it's the one thing that I have learned is that it has made me a better person for that. You know, because while other people, while other kids were out, you know, playing games and doing video games, and you know, it was way before kind of how. Um, uh, way before kind of even cell phones you know how they are now mm, right mm. it's way before that um, so while, while other kids are, are playing sort of video games and stuff there's me I'm I'm, I'm, I'm doing the work at such a young age mm. and I and that's I suppose for me this is it's developed a kind of mental toughness within myself sure. of this kind of never give up attitude mm. you know and um I suppose that's I suppose it's fire in your belly, right? You know, the passion, mm. that's where my passion comes from. Of course, there are times where you think, oh, do you know what? I just want to throw the towel in. Yeah. I don't want to give up. That's why I just want to give up, right? But then I go back to what have I become from, from that young age, from that mm. young person, mm. you know? That's kind of how it was. Sure. So you're doing multiple jobs, you're training, you're moving schools and all the rest. What, what happened next? Um, so uh, when I got to uh, when I got to the age of sixteen, mm. actually, well, actually sidetracked that, and between that, I was also decided to. Uh, I also decided that I needed to create even more money, right? So I started up at the weekends, for example, on a, on a Saturday and Sunday. I started up a little car washing business as well, and so. I'd go around 
we lived on a big housing estate at the time, uh, my mum's house. And I was like, oh, amazing. I need to, make, need to make a little bit more money here because it's just there's just not enough to go around, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and this was before, my, before the job that I had, actually. And um, so I, I took my bucket and sponge and started knocking on people's doors, right? You know, the old school methods, right? Buzzing on apartments and stuff. Hey, do you want your car wash? Hey, do you want your car wash? No, no, no. Hey, yes, absolutely. I love my car wash. Fantastic. Um, I'll come down straight away. Perfect. And they fill my bucket out with water uh, or get the hose pipe out or whatever it is. Uh, they give me some soap as well. And then I'll start washing the car. Take me about 45 minutes. Uh, if they really want me to, I'll wax the car as well. Get some wax, get my chamois leather out and things like that. Right. Do the hard graft. Well, and, uh, you know, and they'll be like, so how much is it? It's six quid. All right, perfect. Fantastic. And if it's wax, then it's going to cost you a tenner. All right. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and then I started developing that and started getting some regular customers. Mm. Right. And uh, this was only on Saturdays and Sundays. Mm -hmm. It's the only time I had time to do anything these days. And this was, and at the weekends, I also competed as well. Well, so I was doing my cross country running on Saturdays in the winter season. And mm -hmm. on Sundays, I was doing my road running in the morning. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so I was competing most weekends as well, mm -hmm. as well as doing the car washing. So, <laughs> all right. So I was busy when I was a kid, right? I was hustling and I was bustling, you know? Um, and then at the age of 16, I thought, right, I need to go to, I want to go to college. I don't want to stay mm. on at school because school had such bad memories for me. I want to go to college, do sports studies, stuff like that. I didn't particularly have great, um, uh, didn't achieve great marks in my GCSEs at the time. So uh, I had to start off from the bottom and then work up. Okay. Yeah? Um, but uh, again, because there was no wealth and there was no mm. money around, mm -hmm. I had to pay for that. You know, yeah, we could get some help here and there and whatever it is, but the majority of it, yeah. like for example, um, I used to cycle my bike uh, from West London all the way to Surrey. It would take me 45 minutes to an hour. I did it every day there and every day back. Because, wow. again, the train was way too expensive. Yeah. I, ha I had to find a way to, to make it work for me. Wow. Um, and the only person that was paying for this was me anyway. Mm. So, you know, and then I, I, I also got, um, uh, I, I started off doing a little part-time job at McDonald's, mm. right? Now, I know that a lot of people give stick about McDonald's and- It's a hell of a system. But I tell you what, the system works. Mm. It really does work. Mm. They got a great system. So I started off the age of 16 at McDonald's and, um, and uh, I, I learned very quickly, mm. learned a lot of skills. Um, and, um, and, and, I, and interestingly enough, there was a, I developed a, a few mentors within McDonald's. I think there were some great mentors and there was one particular guy called Mark, Mark Mayer, who I remember and he really, he, he was the type of father figure that I never had really in my life. Okay. And um, he, he was the type of guy that I really looked up to and he was like, he was the type of person to tell you as it is. You mm. know, he'll be saying, Adam, I don't think you did that that right, or do you know what I mean? And sure. I appreciate his feedback mm. and stuff like that. I really looked up, to, look up, up to him. And uh, and I think uh, um, after when I got to eighteen, when I got to university stages, obviously I needed to create even more income because of fees and sure. stuff like that, accommodation, and I moved out and things like that. So so I. I went into full-time McDonald's, became a manager. And at the age of 21, I, I, I was pretty much a general manager. Um, and uh, we were running uh, the, the store in Kingston. 
and at the t- the peak of the time we had 75 employees and this was me at 21 years old by the wow, way okay. 75 employees turnover at nine million pounds selling 99p burgers mm. yeah what does that tell you i mean seriously i mean that was like when i look back at that and i think wow 21 years old mm-hmm. in charge of a nine million pound business crazy right and then you just you just crack on Mm. you just Mm. crack on i was doing like uh i think i was doing like 50 hours there then i was doing full-time studies and running my own little business and i was clocking in at least 80 90 hours a week easy at the age of 21 i was hungry man Mm. but the thing is i enjoyed it Mm. i enjoyed it you know and there'll be times where we would work at mcdonald's where we would do like for example on a weekly sunday you'd have what they call uh, the weekly count we'd have to go into the cold freezers of minus 18 minus 21 and count up all the boxes of hamburgers and and all the buns and and all of that kind of stuff mm. and, you know sometimes we just have a delivery and it'd be packed right to the ceiling and you're mm-hmm. like are you kidding me <laughs> do you know what i mean yeah and so uh but learned so many entrepreneurial skills just from mcdonald's what what is there anything stands out for you on that um is there anything that stands out for me on that i think i learned a lot about numbers okay numbers and finances they were really big on numbers and finances uh you know for example on a monday we'd have our weekly call with our operations director I would have to send in our figures on on, on the Monday morning and get an ear bollock in, for example. <laughs> uh, you know, because they're looking at things like labor percentages, labor costs. They're okay. looking at um, the metrics. They're, they're, yeah. they're measuring the metrics. Yeah. They're, look, they're, they're measuring everything. Yeah. Everything gets measured in, in McDonald's, um, even down to the, the down to the to the waste product as such, which is kind of cool. Uh, so great system, um, but took a lot of those skills into um into my into the next part what i went into and things like that but leadership as well that that was a real eye-opener for me because i started developing leadership skills at the age of 18 when i became a shift manager um and age age makes no difference especially when you're working at a place like that age is no no difference um, the fundamentals don't change you've got to respect people you've got to have values mm-hmm. and, um, and, uh, and and you, you know when you run a business and you take ownership of that business then uh, it's a whole new ball game well okay you know so uh, yeah it was crazy <laughs> yeah. Le- leadership for me was was real big you know um, setting up teams taking responsibility for certain things in the restaurant i mean when i was at the age of 21 i was pretty much responsible for pretty much everything but then i would have to be for i would be forced to delegate yeah i wouldn't be able to do it on my own yeah uh, i'd forced to delegate i would uh, put together teams we would have weekly meetings we'd be like okay what are your goals this week okay great next week they come back why have you not achieved it why did you achieve what the goods how can i help you that that kind of stuff a lot of the things that we learn in learn in today's world how did that feel? Empowering. Mm. If I was empowering, I, 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 I'll be honest with you. Um, yeah, I mean, there's always going to be the, the good that comes with the bad. Sure. Um, but, you know, there were a lot of good times. Sure. There were a lot of good times. And a lot of the stores back then were actually owned by McDonald's themselves before okay. they really started rolling out the franchise model. Yeah. Um, so was this mid-80s? No, mid-90s? Uh, that was after that. Um, 
the UK actually uh, uh, with the with the UK in the franchise model there yeah. were only when I was there there was only a very very small minority of franchisees okay. and then they obviously wanted to roll out more of a US based model mm. which is more of a franchise model uh, and each store was unique in their own way so you'd sure. have like the high street stores which you would carry the higher costs because of the maintenance and stuff like that and yeah if it's a great one listed building you've got a nightmare with planning yeah yeah and then you've got um uh then you've got your drive-throughs which are normally the, the they're the not normally the ones that carry a lot of the profit okay uh, the drive-throughs and things like that and uh, i would know who who are the top stores and things like that and just because uh, a, a store say like Gatwick Airport, for example, would turn mm. over a huge amount of money. Their profit margins wasn't as big because the people that were running it were just—they weren't that great. Right. Okay. Because um, they were just turning over. Sure. You know, because the—you know—it was just so busy. Yeah. And when you are busy like that, you know, and you're dealing with that amount of people, sometimes mm. it's just hard to just sit back and relax and you just think oh i just need to reflect for like five minutes it's sure. very difficult uh, when you have that amount of um customers going through it's mm. it's crazy absolutely so yeah so what happened then so you were 21 general manager yeah okay so i uh, got to about 24 uh, this is going to be a real eye opener so you know i said to you i had this dream about working on cruise ships before mm. right um so i worked on uh so i had this I always wanted to be a personal trainer and a sports massage therapist on a, on a, on a cruise liner, right? And it was not, it was, it was in my game plan. It was, it was in my game plan from quite earlier on, like when I was about 18. And uh, I was in the office one day, and you know, on the computer. Never forget this day, by the way. Okay, operations director was due in that morning anyway. No, he was due in the day after. And uh, an employee of mine came up to me and I'd been there for quite some time. So I was switching between stores between Richmond and Kingston at the time. Uh, you know, kind of my neck of the woods, I suppose. But they was kind of chopping and changing me around. And so I was in a Richmond store and was in the office and uh, sat down on a computer, just doing finger, figures and, you know, all the stuff that you normally do. And an employee came in and said, uh, you know, I had a good relationship with this employee. Come up to me and said, um, Adam, you're becoming part of the wallpaper. I was like, what do you mean? So he explained it to me. And then the penny dropped for me. I was like, I couldn't sleep that night. I was like, that's really, really, really affected me. Hmm. Anyway, next day, operations manager comes in. Oh, how's everything going? And looks like you've had a good weekend. Congratulations, pat on the back. Stuff got like that. Here's my resignation letter. Oh, he went. What? What's this? He goes. He goes. I've made a decision. Um, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to. I want to follow my passion and dream. He's like, oh, is there any way that I can do to persuade you to stay? I went, no. Free hamburger. <laughs> <laughs> um, and um, wow. And and so I then applied to. Um, I then applied. How to, did you plan? Uh, it was this. No, I just did it. Right, okay. I, I saw an opportunity actually. Um, it's kind of it's kind of making it in the past, I suppose. I saw an opportunity to work with a company called Steiner, who some people probably can be familiar with. And uh, Steiner basically put on uh, health professionals on cruise ships. So I did a lot of training with them for about six weeks, hmm. stuck in a YMCA in Watford, <laughs> and that was interesting. And so we would do like a commute. And uh, in fairness, the training was pretty decent. 
Uh, and then uh, eventually we would get assigned a, a cruise ship. Mm -hmm. So I was working on Norwegian. Okay. And uh, got my visas and all of that kind of stuff. That done, done all my medical and things. And uh, went from, uh, started out at Boston, Massachusetts. Okay. Uh, we was in dry dock at the, at the time. And then, and then we migrated down to Philadelphia and then into New York. So our regular route was New York to Bermuda. Well, okay. So I know Bermuda pretty well. Uh, fantastic place, bloody expensive though, uh, but fantastic place to go. And, um, and so it wasn't the biggest of cruise liners. And for me, for me, it was a, it was a tricky one. And the reason why it was so tricky is because it was quite a small boat and I was on my own and I was expected to be with a team of people. And I thought to myself, do you know what? I'm doing everything here. Like I'm doing beauty treatments. I'm doing personal training. And it wasn't the biggest of boats by no stretch of the imagination. Mm. And uh, if you know the sea between New York and Bermuda, you know, it's the Atlantic and it's extremely rough. Okay. And uh, there were many times where we are riding the waves, shall we say, and I don't do riding the waves particularly well. <laughs> and so when, uh, <laughs> after we've been riding the waves, uh, most of the passengers and the staff will be walking around green. Mm -hmm. um, you're really not in the mood to work. Mm. Uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, th there were good times and yeah, I did enjoy seeing some travel. So it was for only maybe six, six, seven months or whatever it is. But I ticked it off my bucket list because it was something that I really, really wanted to do mm. in fairness. And, uh, you know, I really enjoyed it. Sure. Really enjoyed it. So, uh, so yes, and then that was kind of my dream shattered, I suppose. It wasn't mm -hmm. what it was lived up to be, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, and, then, uh, and then came back to the UK looking for an opportunity to someone to take me on. And, uh, so you're around 25? Yeah, uh, yeah, around 25. Exactly. So you're, what, you're 40 now, are you? I'm now? 38. 38. 38, so. 39 this year. So where are we, we're um, early 2000s? 2000? Yeah, yeah, something like, yeah, mid-2005, yeah. something like that. Yeah. Um, and then, um, yeah, came back looking for that opportunity, looking for mm. someone to take me on as a PT and stuff, and mm -hmm. no one wanted to do it. No one wanted to give me the opportunity. Because okay. I didn't, they, 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 even though I was working on cruise ships and I was accredited and they just, they just didn't want it. Just didn't want to take the punt. Mm. And then eventually, uh, after frustration, I saw a saw an advert for people for a training company that were taking on people that were running their own business. And I thought, oh, this looks interesting. I never thought about running my own business, mm. even though I'd kind of been doing it when I was at the age of eleven. Sure. And so uh, did some training with them uh, and that kind of stuff. And we we got a contract at the uh, one of the Marriott chains. Uh, it was a fantastic gym there, really good. Yeah. That kind of stuff still exists today. Um, and um, uh, cut a long story short, it didn't work out uh, between the training company and the gym at the time because there was, a, uh, I don't know, a discrepancy of fees and monies and whatever it is. But right. the Marriott were really happy with what I'd been doing. Now, like, listen, we're getting rid of this training company, but we want to keep you on. Do you want to stay with us? I went, okay. Um, but I want to be self-employed. I want to be. I want to be running my own thing. He said, "No problem. We'll just we'll just uh, come to an agreement on how much you're going to pay each week, uh, each month, mm. and uh, we can go from there." Does that sound good to you? Sounds good to me. So I stayed there, left the training company myself, um, 
and uh, mm -hmm. started developing a client base there from there. Mm -hmm. uh, and my big thing really is it was all around, I really enjoyed doing the injury prevention side, side of stuff and okay. around sports performance. Uh, people Preparing people for events sure. was really my thing. Um, and a lot of the other sort of, there weren't any other PTs at the time there. It was just me and there was this other guy. Were you I still doing your athletics at this point? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I kind of, yes and no, but I had, I, I had kind of uh, other interests developing all the time. So even though I was kind of in and out of athletics, I, uh, I, I started developing other interests, hmm. as you do. Um, and the thing with the athletics, the reason why, even though I, I did get to represent, you know, the inter-counties uh, inter and stuff like that, you know, really big competitions, hmm. you get to a point in your career where you've got to start making some serious decisions. And the yeah. thing with me uh, at the time was like, okay, there were two choices. Sure. You choose education or you choose athletics. Hmm. Now, if you choose athletics, number one, you've got to be top you've got to be dedicated and you've got to be self-sufficient mm. and you know i told you my background didn't have a lot of money sure and so and i thought well this is a bit high risk for me mm. at the time it was too high risk i I, sure. I i needed the education in order to create some skills mm. and that was the reason why i couldn't get into uh full-time athletics and have sponsors and stuff like that. and i and i've seen many people who just didn't make it you know mm. and they struggled for years and years i didn't want to be one of those people i'm sick and tired of struggling um anyway where was, where was i you um, were <laughs> yeah sorry i backtracked there didn't i <laughs> i backtracked um i was gonna say yeah so i i, I got into personal training became self-employed really happy with my with my work and things like that and i did it for it was a it was interesting because the the gym that i was based at they all said to me they're like yeah, pt thing is never going to work here it's never going to work like i had so many people come up to me and say that and i was like why doesn't it work oh because the, the people here are not those types of people you know i used to get that all the time and i'm like mm. okay i'm gonna prove you wrong so in three months I, I kid you not within three months i turned that place around man um you know there were so many happy people that were seeing me because the problem was is it was a gym and they had a little bit they had a couple of fitness instructors that weren't really doing their job properly right. they weren't giving out their programs you know that you know that's why people go to the gym right they don't just want to have an empty shell hmm. it was a hotel gym it wasn't uh, we did have a uh, local members but the thing is uh is that they just didn't um was going to say that they, they, they felt a lot of the uh, customers and the clients that were using the gym they didn't feel looked after okay so when i came in they're like oh well, this guy's asking me if i can if i if he can help me i like that you mm. know, they felt really warm to that so i'd go around uh, you know asking people if there's anything i could do to help them or I, you can see you're doing that incorrectly can i show you how to do it properly you know really helping people and um, people really liked that and warmed up to it and started developing a client base off the back of that. Within about three, six months, I was like fully booked, yeah. completely fully booked. We were, I was doing a, a lot of hours, uh, earning good money as well. Yeah. And at the time, I think uh, the time, sometimes I'd be making like 5K a month, which yeah. doesn't sound like a lot of money, yeah. but well, you know, I was pretty happy with that. Sure. Uh, trading time for pounds mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. uh, making five grand a, um, a month or whatever it is in your mid-20s is pretty good 
and then uh, and then we had, and then shortly after actually we had another trainer that um, joined us. Now my surname's Strong, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. great for a PT name, right? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. We had another guy that joined us. His name was called Blair. Yeah, any ideas about what his surname was? Strong. No, yeah. it wasn't Strong. It was Toner. <laughs> so we had Strong and Toner oh, in the same good. gym, and, and people good. were coming up to us and saying. Did you change your names? <laughs> like, Did you change your names? And I'm like, no, 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 no. It's like, how it? What in a million years would ever come with toner and strong in the in the gym? I'm like, yeah, brilliant, well. love it. So you know, we, we killed it, man. We absolutely killed it. it was fantastic. And then, um, and then I was doing that for quite some time actually. Mm. And um, but over, I'm a big believer in change, Pete. You know, mm. and. I go through cycles, and my cycles are normally every three years. Okay. And within that period of three, within that period of three years, I normally go through massive, a massive change. Like it wouldn't be like a small change in your life, like some people do. I'll do mm. like a ridiculously massive change. Okay. So I think, um, and I can't remember exactly uh, when it was. I think it was like maybe. Um, maybe about nine or 10 years after that or whatever it is, I started to become disillusioned. Mm. And I started falling passion out of my industry. I knew that I really wanted to help people. But the thing is, is that I was only help, I was only creating impact with people on a one-on-one basis, essentially. True. And I thought, and I, and I, and I, and I, and I, I felt this kind of emptiness um, in my life, if I'm honest with you. I found mm. this emptiness. Um, and uh, and I thought, you know what? I need to I need to do something else here that's going to create bigger impacts. Um, and then I I continued doing. I I felt really lost, if I'm honest with you. I felt lost and frustrated. Mm. Um, so these were late twenties, early thirties, was it? Uh, yeah, yeah, early 30s, I would mm. say, early 30s, uh, maybe 32, 31, yeah, something mm. like that, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, yeah, and I, I just, for me, I just, it was extremely frustrating for me because I just, I couldn't put my, you know, when you are mm. in a time where you have this uncertainty mm. and you don't know whether you're coming and going. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. And I'm sure that some of your listeners are kind of thinking about that and you're like, oh, well, that's me type of thing, right? Yeah. I went through that time. You're in search mode. You're in search mode and you yeah. don't know what you're looking for and you're sure. like, what the hell's going on here? And mm. so I was turning up to my PT lessons and things like that and they, all of my clients would sense that there was something wrong. Mm. And I felt of kind of, I felt bad because mm. I felt kind of dissatisfied with what I was doing even though I was trying to help these people which I really still enjoy doing and um, and after about uh, then I started getting into personal development I started um, uh, attending uh, sessions mm-hmm. listening to yeah kind of more going to live events yep. and I became a sponge okay yeah I don't know if you've ever done this but I became a sponge and uh, when, when you become a sponge you start taking all this information in right what was the turning point on that? Do you remember? There wasn't one, not for at least 12 months, maybe even 18 months down the line. Okay. My turning point actually was when um, I met a business coach, believe it or not. And, uh, and was I, it, as in starting the search, do you remember? Oh, I started going to many different events. Okay. Um, I won't 
name drop or whatever it is but yeah. I started going to all these events and, and the big problem with going to a lot of these events is that a lot of the information some of it was really good information don't get me wrong sure um, but the big problem was is that half it wasn't applicable to me in my situations or circumstances okay yep. I was still unclear of the direction that I wanted to go in sure you know I was trying to fix I was trying to fix me mm. and I was mm -hmm. in search of answers I couldn't find those answers but I only came to realize this after about 18 months and I thought to myself you know what? I'm doing the same thing over and over and over again and I'm not getting anywhere I'm trying to be the jack of all trades and I'm trying to learn new skills sure. and and stuff and it just it wasn't happening for me yeah. I didn't particularly have a huge amount of money um, I got myself into debt as well because I, I invested in a, in a program as well and things like that and things weren't going particularly well hmm. in the finances uh, side of stuff uh, and then I thought to myself Do you know what enough is enough I'm, I'm done with I'm done with this I'm done with struggling I'm done with not being able to provide I had kids by, by this time by the way hmm. two, uh, my two older kids and uh, and I just thought Do you know this isn't fair it's not fair on me. It's not fair on my clients that I have and current. It just isn't fair. Mm. Things have to change. And sometimes you have to find a means to a way to, you know, if you know that there's a better way, you have to find a way uh, to get yourself around it and stop using excuses. Mm. So I then invested into a business coach who I really warmed to. He really understood me as a person well. and helped me to demystify my uncertainty or lack of clarity if you like sure um jason his name was us and we're still good friends today and uh and uh i must have <laughs> i invested best part of five figures in, in that um did i have the money no i had to find the money though mm. so i even went to my, my my nan my grandma and said listen this is this is the situation she said you know what adam one thing that I know for sure for you number one is I believe in you okay yeah. you'll never say I, I believe in you no one will ever believe you in more than I do so I was really hot hot I was really uh, taken back by that and so I essentially borrowed most of the money from her hmm. and so got into uh, the whole business and w one thing that came apparent was off the back of doing business coaching with my coach um, it wasn't apparent to me that I needed to do coaching and this is the weird thing is is that I had a coach from a very young age and mm. I'd forgotten all of that right but then I thought to myself well hang on a minute he has had success that I haven't so I need to learn from this guy do you know what I mean sure. I don't know the answers because if I did then I'd be a multi-millionaire by now you know mm. what I'm saying so um so I invested in into the business coaching and one thing that came apparently is like tell me about your background tell me about your passions and, and stuff like that so I told him and stuff it's like all right Adam I got it number one you're a great speaker okay I was like okay never thought about that but yeah that's cool we like that uh, and number two you've got a wonderful background in sports and, and the success of sport why don't you bring it into business mm. you know teach other entrepreneurs teach other business owners to be mm. able to help them grow and scale their companies mm. and I'd already kind of been doing this anyway uh, people in the fitness industry I was advising them about how they can get their clients out of pain how they can grow more how they can charge more money how they can 
position themselves as an authority in their industry. Yeah, one of my very first clients actually was in property investing, believe it or not, similar to what your mm -hmm. industry is. Uh, and um, she is extremely successful today, by the way. She was one of my very first clients. We met through uh, an event. And she really trusted what I did, and we built up her brand. And she had a, at the time, uh, Pete, she uh, she had a business, mm -hmm. and she had a property portfolio in Wales. But she was based in Essex. Okay. And I was like, well, hang on a second, you're basically uh, uh, using up all your time and energy commuting to Wales to manage different projects, and you're only getting paid small margins. But you want to get into the big stuff that you're. You, what you need to do is you either do one of two things. You either take all of the money out of your mm. projects in Wales, take your equity and put it into one big project, mm. okay, or smaller projects into something which is a bit more local and manageable, um, and, uh, and and target properties at below below uh, below list price, twenty percent mm. below list price. And they're like, okay, cool. So she had a kind of uh, I was doing some a lot of consulting work with her on. Um, she had a beauty salon in, in Essex, and she just bought another beauty salon as well. So was, she did like they did like hairdressing and massage therapy and stuff like that. And we grew the operations, and we helped. I helped advise her around the training of the staff mm. and build the leadership around that. So that was that was going back quite a few years, but it was it's fantastic, mm. uh, really really good. So and I just thought you know I really enjoy this. This is something that I really enjoy doing. I really genuinely love to help people. Um, and if I can't help someone, then sure. I will admit it. I can't help mm. you, and I will avoid, and I will put, point in the right direction as to mm. who you can help you. Um, but if I believe that I can help you, then I will. So, yeah. So I guess that's where it's kind of brought me up to the present day. I guess. Yeah. So obviously we're sitting here in Sweden. Yeah. How? How? Okay. Moved to Sweden about two and a half years ago. Uh, met the love of my life, I suppose. <laughs> met the love of my life. Um, we actually originally met in America originally on a business conference. Okay. And then uh, probably about four years ago, came to Sweden for the first time and spoke. Um, didn't hook up then, but then we, um, about three years, uh, then a year after, I came to Sweden again because people wanted me to come back to Sweden again. Spoke again. Mm. She was in the front and um, listening to what I had and things like that. We did photos at the end. And when you meet someone, and it's kind of weird, but I met my uh, other half. And when we were having photos, I had this surge of energy, which I'd never felt before. And it's just the connection. I felt this connection. Mm. I was like... Hey, so, uh, uh, you know, it was quite late on in the evening, but I kind of messaged her that evening because we were in contact on Messenger anyway. Mm. I was like, hey, so do you want to, uh, uh, do you want to go out for, do lunch or something like that? She was like, yeah, yeah, cool. No worries. And um, I guess that turned into a kind of a, a date, I suppose. We didn't even realize it, but we mm. turned into a date, which lunch, not a, not even a lunch date. It was a five hour extension. <laughs> so, uh, and then we, we, we stayed in touch and never and we spoke every day ever since so well, yeah so there you go that's why i ended up in sweden <laughs> as you do as you do as so, you do so you but you do spend time obviously between here and here in london yeah so in the uk most of my operations are in the uk and obviously my i've got two older kids in the uk as well so i go back and see them as often as i can every three mm -hmm. weeks typically mm -hmm. 
so I do my my father thing and my res I've got responsibilities and mm. so most of my business operations are in the UK and um, do between UK and Scandinavia mainly but I guess most of my things like speaking takes me all over the world mm. um, and uh, just depends on the opportunities I guess yeah yeah makes sense so I'm trying to I'm trying to keep track here so we've got <laughs> it's a lot of stuff to take in business number one golf ball collection car yeah. wash McDonald's yeah. sports massage athlete yeah uh, then this is the training company through the um, personal training yeah through the personal training and yeah. then and then uh, yeah cruise ships as well yeah cruise ships as well I basically <coughs> told you my life story <laughs> yeah well, well that's that's kind of what Fire in the Valley is that's how you how, yeah. you how you come to be what you be absolutely does that uh, how, how looking back at it now how do you what's your take on it Wow, done a lot. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I, I think, uh, in fairness, it, when you do sit back and you and you think, do you know what? Would I have changed things in the world? Mm. No, mm. because it would. Otherwise, I wouldn't be where I'm sitting, where I'm sitting, and mm. I wouldn't have learned what I learned. Mm. Never have any regrets. Never mm. carry any regrets either. Mm. I mean, what what would be if you were to speak to yourself in the past? What would you be saying? You know, your younger self get yourself a coach earlier on <laughs> cool. but also I think when you when you are very very busy mm. um, and you've got so much on your plate mm. you get distracted life gets in the way and you forget to think about all those things that made you successful made those things that made a difference in your life and I think that's the same for it each and every single person maybe listening to this um, would be it will be applicable to them too you know sure, life sure. does get in the way um, coaching to me is as important as oxygen yeah uh, that's how i see it is i believe that anyone who is not just a coach or running uh, running a business or your investor any of those should have mentors and coaches in your life mm. because if you don't you can't be the best in what you do mm. you know it's uh that's how i see it now um but, you know devil's advocate i mean what does a coach do that you don't do yourself well, coaches, it, it, we look at coaches, each coach has a specialism, doesn't it? Sure. Yeah. I guess what makes me unique is bringing sport and business. So that, that makes me really okay. unique. And there are certain skills and attributes that I go, I, I suppose I developed a more um, focused approach. Hmm. Um, so, for example, uh, self-discipline, really important. Uh, entrepreneurs and business owners need self-discipline. Focus, extremely hmm. important. Clarity. And I've told you different stories hmm. attached to these. Um, productivity. A lot of people know me for productivity as well, increasing productivity and things like time management and stuff like that. Hmm. So, uh, I suppose... Yes, there are a lot of coaches and consultants out there, uh, but me, I'm kind of more of a strategist. I like to explore. I like to, um, I like to just think, well, it's not just this way. Let's look at this way. Let's look at what are the risk factors? What, are, what, are the, uh, what is the best case scenario? What's the worst case scenario? What's the most likely outcome based on this type sure. of thing? Hmm. So, um, so for me, I, don't, I never like to call myself a coach even though I do a little bit on the coaching side of stuff I'm, I'm more of a strategist if I'm honest with you okay yeah the term entrepreneur yeah I've not I don't think I've heard it really much before and but you've you, you use it a lot yeah is this is I mean is, is there a connection or is there where does that come from for you uh, entrepreneur hmm 
Um, I think, uh, you know, it's interesting because I knew that when I was a kid, you know, and, and I know maybe you, you would uh, agree with this, I don't, depends on uh, your background and stuff, and we all come from different backgrounds, but when I grew up, I remember a lot of my friends' parents and, and, and things like that, they'd, they'd advise their kids and they'd say, son, daughter, go to school, get good grades, mm. and get a good, good education <clears throat> and a good job, sure. right? That's what, we were, yep. that's what we were programmed to be in. But actually, I never did that because I never had those people around me to mm. get, advise me. Um, but I, I guess I've only come to realize that entrepreneurs are now more widely accepted sure. in the world. Because yeah. I think maybe about 10 years ago, if we were having this conversation, people wouldn't take you seriously. They mm. really wouldn't. Mm. But now, if we look at the likes of Elon Musk, we look at Steve Jobs, and mm. we look at pioneers of, mm. of, of the 21st century or even the 20th century, there are a lot of great people um, that are entrepreneurs that have created something and mm. monetized it and, and, and made an impact in the world. Mm. Um, and if it's good enough for them, it's good enough for me type of thing, really. Sure, sure. So yeah, I have no, um, I'm not scared of using the term entrepreneur. Um, I'm proud to be one. But the actual definition of the actual use of the word ultra? Ultra, entrepreneur. Yeah. Entrepreneur. Um, mm, that's an interesting one. But I think uh, if I look at the word entrepreneur, like you just mentioned, mm. sorry, I, I mis misheard what you said, by mm. the way, entrepreneur. I think uh, it's someone from my perspective that has gone through massive change. Okay that's gone through adversity mm. uh, and being able to um, find a way because mm. that's what it's about it's about finding a way uh, whether, however challenging it's been mm. it's about finding a way uh, that's good for you yeah you know so I mean I've basically told you a bit about me and about my story and things like that and there are different stories in there Sure. You know, about what I learned, what I didn't learn. Mm. There are lots of mistakes that I've made, mm -hmm. right? Um, so it's for me an entrepreneur is someone that has been around, has got wildly different experiences. I I, I mentioned from golf balls to car mm -hmm. washing to mm -hmm. McDonald's to working on cruise ships. Huge diversity. Yeah. Massive diversity. Mm. Um, um, so yeah um, but yeah I suppose that's kind of how I see it as hmm. talk to me about significant people that sit out in your life you know you mentioned your nan there you mentioned uh, Mark Mark Mayer Mark Mayer yeah well. I even remember his full name yeah see. these I mean you know I, is there anyone else that stands out? And, and what is it about those people for you that... The, I think for me, um, the reason, like though I mentioned those two particular people is because there were thing, there were attributes that they have that I really look up to. And, and Mark was kind of like, he was like kind of the father figure I never really had, which mm. was someone that I really looked up to and respected those two people really believe in me mm, mm. and you know 
when people do business with me, I want them to like, know, and trust me. Okay? Sure. Not everyone likes, know, and trust me, and guess what? I'm happy with that. Yeah. And I'm not going to beat up myself up about that either. But they believe in me and what I do. Mm -hmm. They know that I've, I've got something. I've got the fire in the belly, if you mm -hmm. like, right? Yeah. I've got passion, uh, and I'm and I'm resilient. You know. Um, so I think that's really. Um, I think that's really, really important. I've got this, I've developed this kind of what I call mental toughness, mm. right? Um, I suppose it's kind of don't take no crap off no one type of mm -hmm. attitude, um, which I don't, mm. um, but I'm also very kind of upfront and honest with yeah. anybody. If, if someone comes up to me and they said, oh, Adam, I've got this business idea or I've got this business, whatever it is, yeah. do you mind taking a look at it? And, and straight away I'll be like, that's not a great idea. How is it going to make money? Mm, mm. You know, because if you're in business to make money and helping people, whatever it is, sure. if it's not for the good of good, of, uh, then it's not worth doing. Yeah, and uh, I think a lot of people appreciate that. Mm. But they, they really, um, Mark and uh, my nan in particular, they they uh, they really believed in in what I did, and they could see potential in me. Sure, you know. Um, I'm honest, mm. hardworking, mm. and I only want the best, um, not sure. just for me, but I always think, put others first before I put myself. That's powerful. And what sort of really do, you, what characteristics or what sort of traits, you know, have you sort of tried to hand on to your kids? You know, what, what do you really yeah. want to see for them? <clears throat> Never lie. Okay. Very important. Respect and integrity is really, really important. Okay. Um, um, and uh, always do your best, okay. regardless of what the obstacles or whatever it is. Find a way, mm. because and it's like my, my my oldest son who plays regular football mm. okay, for his for his team or whatever it is. And sometimes they get absolutely battered, mm. and he comes home and I was like, and I and I say to him, "How was your football match, son?" And he's like, "Oh, dad, not good. We got battered six 0 I went, oh, "Why do you get battered six 0 uh, son?" He's like, "Because um, um, because." We were crap, basically, in a nutshell. I was like, well, why do you say that? He goes, did you try your best? He went, no. I went, did the others try their best? No. So do you think that if you'd have, <laughs> if you'd have tried a little bit more and had a better attitude mm. and had a better mindset, do you think that you'd probably have a better result? Mm. Yeah. So do you understand the, mm. the context there? It's kind of getting them to look at it from a different perspective and things like that. And mm. so. You know, um, those are for me are very, very important um, traits as such. Absolutely, absolutely. So to summarise it in, in a in a couple of words, fire in yeah. the belly for you. What would you What would you bring that down to? I mean, how would you summarise it? Um, it would be. Um, it would be. Um, how would I summarise fire in the belly? Oh, that's a very good question. Hmm. I think for me, fire in your belly is doing something that you're, you're doing not just because, you're doing it because of your values, you're doing it because of your, um, because of your passions and your dreams and aspirations. We all have them, sure. right? We all have different visions. And fire in your belly for me is, um, it's, doing what you say that you're going to do you know and and i remember i didn't 
when I was, you know, I told you about my dream. My dream was to work on cruise ships, right? Mm. That was my dream. I did that. Mm -hmm. That's the bucket list, right? Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of people that haven't done that, mm. you know, and because you get, just get too wrapped up in life. Mm. Uh, and um, but I think for me, uh, fire in your belly is mm. is really giving value to people. Sure, you know, giving value to people, helping people. Um, and you know, and, and I mentioned the word helping people. I mean, mm. I mean genuinely helping people. Mm. You know, uh, because yeah, I've got goals and things like that. But um, for me, if I help you, um, I know that the universe is going to reward me in return. So that's for me, fire in your belly. Mm. Well, I know we could talk for hours, <laughs> but. It's a bit like the Jerry Springer show. Yeah, it's kind of drama. This is like uh, this is probably like episode one of God knows how many. Yeah, you know, you know that. <laughs> no, but listen, genuinely, it's I uh, really appreciate your time this morning, Adam, and uh, yeah, I look forward to uh, talking to you more in the future. Definitely, hundred percent. Look forward to it. Thank you. Well, that was another great episode of Fire in the Belly. You know, this really wouldn't be possible without a great guest taking the time to share their personal journeys. And boy, boy, sometimes it is personal. It's an absolute pleasure to have that. And then to hear the journeys that people have been on. We've loads more episodes coming up soon, and it's always a pleasure to have guests on. If you do happen to know anyone with true fire in their belly, please reach out to us so we can share their journey, lessons and successes. So all that's left to say is have a great day, live with fire in your belly, and be the mightiest version of you.